When we hear the word mission, we may tend to think about reaching the world with the gospel. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean exactly when you say marriage is a mission? So, yeah, like the, our, me and my mission pastor debate this. Like he think, he says missions is just cross-cultural, those things. Yeah, okay, that's the official uh, missions uh, definition. I'm just talking about your witness. I, I could probably just say witness. It is your witness in your home to your kids, to your community, in the context of your church. It is you witnessing the gospel. This is a, a really good question. Like Jesus is the church's provision for everything, the husband is meant to do the same as the wife's provision. I obviously can't wake up tomorrow and act like that perfectly for my wife. Outside of simply prioritizing my marriage, what are some practical steps I can make to give my wife that confidence that I can provide for her, that I am her provision? So ask her, like ask her, what do you need? And what, what is it that I'm not doing that you would like for me to do? And make sure it's biblical, make sure it's right, make sure it's helpful to her. But I think that that's, I think even in the homework, maybe this, there's a question that says, ask her. Um, ultimately, again, you're right. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be the perfect husband. It, all this is about the gospel and the grace of God. And you're trying to reflect something that ultimately um, is, is perfect, is glorious. Um, but, but talk to your wife. Ask her. There's things that um, in, a, in, a, in a context of good, gracious, merciful conversation, <laughs> like what are some things that you need me to do? Would you add anything to that? <laughs> so as a husband sorry these questions have been directed that's a little towards him here but that's how i would like it <laughs> how submissive of you no no I'm no, no. <laughs> how do you find ways to continue to sacrifice when you feel constantly burned out mm. yeah and that that's that's a really really good question um it's hard. It's difficult. You have to fight against that. I think I have to have, you have to have accountability in your life. Um, and I think if you're not walking with the Lord and you're not reminding yourself of Jesus's sacrifice for you, uh, you're going to find excuses to not step up and sacrifice. Life is hard. Um, work is hard. Parenting is hard. Um, but ultimately, that is what will make your witness to your wife even more credible, is that amidst all of life's troubles and difficulties and pain, you're still stepping up and sacrificing for her. So this was a common theme amongst a lot of the questions. Uh, but considering the priorities of, of God, then spouse, and then children, what, when the day-to-day -day basic needs rank children, especially when you guys have, you know, younger children, babies, mm -hmm. toddlers, then, you know, wife and husband, how do you practically prioritize your spouse before your children? Do you want to answer one? Yeah, yeah I will. <laughs> um, so I, I, one thing that I encourage, especially um, moms to do um, is just focus on your husband throughout the day. Make him a priority, even if he is not physically present. And so what that looked like for me, especially when the kids were younger, 
um, was planning my day so that when my husband came home at whatever time, whether it was six o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, um, that he didn't get my leftovers. And um, that was just sort of um, a word that kind of stuck in my brain for, um, for many years as I was exhausted um, at the end of a day of training and raising six small little ones um, and then older ones and then the teenagers, um, but not to give myself so fully to them that I couldn't um, give anything to my husband in the evening. So that was the way I would do that. Yeah, and sometimes that means that you're just not going to address everything. Everything everything you want to do is not going to be accomplished in the day because you're also remembering mar my marriage is the priority. And like she said, um, there, there's time, there, there are times where your kids have to, to sacrifice that. And ultimately, that's for their good. They need parents who have a strong marriage. And I'm really big on like scheduling, planning. I do the same thing every day. Like I do, I get up and study the same way. I go for a run at the same time. I eat the same thing. I do that every day. And so for me, it's just scheduling and having a routine and this is the way, the way it's going to be. And so and I think working together, like Danae was really good at scheduling the kids, but I think working together to make sure, okay, the kids have these needs. We're going to make sure that these things are taken care of so that um, the end of this day is spent together with one another. Yeah, sometimes that meant going to bed with a sink full of dirty dishes, mm -hmm. which was the worst possible thing to me. Um, but yeah, Jeremy called me out on that when I was a young mom. And um, so I was convicted of that and realized, okay, sometimes the dishes have to wait till the next morning so I can have this time with my hubby. So um, this, we have a, a lot of young families, mm -hmm. a lot of young married couples here, uh, not just families. Um, what can you advise to those newly married couples about how they can prepare themselves to be good spouses and to be good parents as that season is approaching? Yeah, I do think, again, like we just said, it, your, your marriage is priority and making sure that you establish your marriage first as the priority in your home and then your kids are going to thrive in a context where mom and dad love each other uh, and so I, again I would I keep going back to that um, and and again I think something that we don't want to leave out is and I said being mindful of Christ's sacrifice for you but making sure you're walking with the Lord and making sure that uh, you care about honoring the Lord with your marriage. Um, and then that's going to reap benefits as a parent. How would you answer that, Danae? Yeah, I would say um, do view your marriage as the priority, um, but not to um, trump your, your identity in Christ. And so... Um, I think it's really easy, especially in the beginning of married years, to become so fixated on marriage, just marriage. Um, and sometimes it's like, 
just trying to survive and not kill each other. Um, sometimes it's just like being in that honeymoon phase for years, whatever that looks like for you. Um, but either way, it's easy to um, either enjoy or survive your marriage to the neglect of your personal walk with Christ. And so do not neglect your time in the word and your personal time in prayer um, at the expense of trying to make your marriage just picture perfect. And, and together, um, you're going to be better parents together if you're if you're one in your marriage together by the time that you have kids. And preparing for children, the one thing that I would say, preparing for marriage and kids and is expectations. Like you just have in your mind, this is going to be the right time to have kids. This is the way it's going to look. And this is what I'm going to do with my kids. And this is, and just, you just need to get rid of all that. And just, we, we want to have children and honor the Lord in that, no matter what that looks like. I think getting rid of any kind of expectations of, picture-perfect family is important. Sure. So um, this question is, I'm clearly an imperfect husband who's in process, but how do you suggest I approach a fellow husband who I can see potentially struggling in their marriage with certain things as a husband or as a dad with grace and from a standpoint of trying to love and help them uh, but not judge them? Yeah, I think, first of all, making sure you have a relationship with this person, like this isn't someone you just see across the room and they irritate you the way that they act and maybe the way they talk with their wife, but it's somebody that you you have a relationship with and maybe it's a it's a brother in Christ who, who you need that. That kind of conversation, those things happen in the context of discipleship. And so maybe maybe you're pursuing some kind of discipleship relationship with this person. And then I think for me, like hearing from an older man that, that they struggle at this, that it's really hard. Like there are a lot of men in my life that you would, they have great advice and great counsel, but it's this sort of domineering, like I got this together. I never received that well. Um, but if I had a, if I had an older man, a brother who was like, man, this is really, really hard. And, and I want to help you with this. And we will, we need together. We need to, to honor the Lord in this. I think, I think making sure that you have those categories in your mind of relationship and then humility and making sure that they understand you don't have it together. Would you add anything to how you approach other moms in that, that would be different from how he kind of established his approach with other dads or husbands? No, I would say exactly the same thing. You have to have a relationship with someone before yeah. they're going to give an ear so. to anything you have to say, even if it's really good and godly advice. We, we made some mistakes with that probably early on in ministry where like we were thrown into this situation with a lot of young couples and family. And, and I'd, I'd been in ministry where everyone in the church was older than me. Like everyone, I was the youngest, everybody's older. And then all of a sudden when we planted the church, everyone was younger. And I went through this season where I was like, they don't, they don't understand marriage. They don't understand parenting. And it was really irritating. It was irritating to me. And one of the things we didn't do, because we would, we would get frustrated. Why are they parenting that way? Why are they? We had not given, uh, we had not opened doors for folks to ask us how to do this or that. And we do, we're doing a better job at that now. And so I do think 
in all of these situations, opening the door. Like if you if you need help, I'm here for you. <laughs> if you would like to know more, like I'm here for you. Um, you know, not not just from a distance, kind of critiquing those things. That's a really good point. So kind of moving into, I guess, specifically uh, being a parent, um, how do you encourage your children to follow Christ mm -hmm. in a way that starts young, right, with, with little kids that maybe not even have this concept, um, and it, it doesn't come off as you pressuring them or they're just Christians, quote-unquote, by association, right, because you're the pastor or you're involved in the church, those sorts of things. So how do you do that well? Um, and, and, and preach the gospel to them as they grow in that loaded question. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I think specifically with her being home, like she was always sharing the gospel. I said this earlier, always sharing the gospel, always making it about Christ. Um, just a great job with that. Um, I do think, and before she's going to answer, because I, I want her to answer this, but... Um, I think also it was in the context of the church that our kids heard and saw the gospel, that it wasn't just mom and dad who were saying these things, but they would gather with the church and they would be like, wow, there's these, these people love me and they, um, and they love Jesus. And they were able to see the gospel on display at every, every stage in life. They were able, able to see that. So I think the church is in, important in that. Um, I would say when your heart is latched to the word, your children will see that and they will hear it and they will feel it and they will know it and it will not, there will be nothing in your home um, that isn't touched by it. And if the word is not prevalent in your heart, your children will also know that and they will be able to see Mm -hmm. uh, the fakeness of your faith. And so I think even when my children were, our children were young, um, there were so many gospel opportunities um, that were right in front of me every day, and I had to be looking for them. And in order to do that, I had to have my heart in tune with the Spirit. I had to be in the Word personally, because if I wasn't, there was no way I could feed them the word in a way that would be um, understandable to them or believable to them. Um, and then I would say also in humility, um, because there were times every single day that I sinned against my children or against my husband that they witnessed or against maybe others, um, that I had to apologize to my children and um, confess my sin to them, um, either towards them or to someone else, and to remind them, oh my goodness, look, I just messed up. I sinned against God. I sinned against you or daddy or whatever the situation is. You know, this is why I need Jesus, and this is why you need Jesus too, because we're all sinners. Um, there's just constantly um, situations in the home that, that can... Um, be mm -hmm. driven back to the gospel. And so I think when you're in, in Christ and you are loving his word and um, loving the good news of his son, your children are going to see that and they're going to know it. 
Yeah, I used to have this vision of like family discipleship was, you know, every night we gather in the living room and we pray and we sing hymns together and we and 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 then life hits and you're like, whoa, we can't we can't have family worship every night. That's just not the it's just not gonna happen. Just our life's not wired up that way. But one of the things, and, and again, I keep referring back, like she, she did a great job of making sure we were always about the gospel. So many of our gospel conversations just happened in life. Like it was just in the car. Like I shared the gospel so many times with my children, taking them to school, taking them to practice. Um, those were times that I look back on that I'm, I'm, I'm just discipling them all the time. It wasn't just a, um, not to say you shouldn't have family worship. Uh, you should. Uh, and there's books you can read on that and, and do a good job with that. But for us, it was just discipleship all the time, talking about the gospel all the time. And, and, and the more you do that, the more natural it, beco it becomes. And, and for your kids to even receive that, they know it's coming. <laughs> So especially when you have uh, younger kids, how do you discern between sin and just childish behavior? Mm -hmm. And how do you <laughs> practically uh, help them to express their motivations and the thoughts yeah. around that? So there's different levels here because obviously you would say the word of God, what is, what is right and what is wrong. You obviously want them to know they're disobeying the word. But then there's also like disrespecting your authority, like things that you've laid out for them to do and they just violate like that's sin, too. It's not honoring your father and mother. It's not listening to their words. So that's sin, too. So at that point, you have to be very careful about what you're requiring of them. <laughs> and is this immature? Is this just they're 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 going to grow out of this? Um, things like that, like we had. Um, we, we had certain kids that they would have um, lack of self-control issues that um, I'm trying, like they, I would say this, they would wet the bed. Like I didn't want to, I want to say this. Like they, they would wet the bed. And we had a, a son who struggled with that for a long time in his life. And, you know, at first you're like, that's a self-control issue. Like you shouldn't be doing that now. And so you, there's, there's consequences for that. But then we realized that, oh no, this is a, this is, we realized at one point it was a medical issue that, that why this was going on. And so there's also a fine line there with trying to figure out what, what are they mature enough to do? What can they physically do at this point? Um, and making sure, I think it's a lot of wisdom as a parent, understanding those things and setting the boundaries and making sure that you're not, um, again, going back to being overbearing and requiring things of them that they just can't do. Uh, and they're not at that point yet. Now, now, we also had kind of a philosophy, like we set the bar high for our kids. Like, and then you gotta, you gotta, you know, like she had them like washing, loading the dishwasher when they're like four or something, I don't know. <laughs> like, and she would help them and work with them to do that. And then they were required to do it. Um, and so there's that kind of middle gray area with what you decide is going to be right and wrong under the context of your authority. Um, and then I would also say there, there's issues of preference. Like, like I have two sons that can't, they're, they're, 
They're 20 and 21, and they cannot sit next to me when we eat at my table because they smack their food. And uh, like I would just say, stop smacking your food. And it drove me crazy. Uh, and then eventually it's something like you just got to get over it. That's just the way their mouth works, I guess. I don't know. But go sit down there next to your mother who doesn't have that preference. She just loves you because you're her son and she can look past those things. And so there's little things like that that you just got to. You got to figure out, is this right or this wrong? And in those areas, I would just say be gracious with your kids because the right and wrong issues, you can't miss those. Like, you understand what I mean? Like, if you're just overbearing on the preferences and then you get to the following Jesus stuff, like, like you got to be careful what you're going to demand of them um, from your own preferences. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think from Scripture we see wisdom versus folly um, throughout Proverbs, and and oftentimes I I would have to kind of stand back and say, okay, is this wisdom? Is it folly? Or is it somewhere? Is it somewhere in between? Um, and if it's if it's folly, it's something that I need to deal with, right? If it's completely against Scripture, like Jeremy said. Um, in rebellion against our leadership or authority. Um, but if it's um, somewhere in between, um, I think a lot of times we would just have to sit down and talk about it and be like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, do you see something that I'm not seeing? <laughs> do I see something you're not seeing? Um, and so that's where communication came yeah. in 99.9% of the time. We mm-hmm. just had to talk about it and go, okay, from a man's perspective, from a woman's perspective, like, what are you seeing here? Yeah, and at different ages, that changes, changes. Yeah. so much. And so. with each kid, because yeah. six very different personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds a lot like communication and setting those expectations and being fluid with them, I mean, mm-hmm. really is where you're, where you're talking about. So, um, you guys have six kids that do different things that are involved in (laughs) a lot of different stuff and Mm -hmm. one that apparently wants to play every sport in America. Um, But how do you guard against the tendency of our Mm day-to-day to to overfill schedules and have children Mm -hmm. involved in all these extracurricular activities while also wanting them to have those and enjoy those opportunities while also discipling them and disciplining them? So when our – I I can – I can speak to sports, I guess. That's, that's a big deal now. Like when our oldest um, <clears throat> began playing sports, it wasn't, <laughs> and that was just like, what, 14 years ago? It wasn't what it's like now. <clears throat> so Titus was raised in his uh, athletic uh, activities different than Jonah is. Like they're, they're different. Um, it, there wasn't a lot required. It was really easy to schedule out, like the practices, um, not a lot of things on the weekend. And so um, that, that was easy to do. But as our kids got older, we realized that those extracurricular things were creeping in and taking really good things away from our family, whether it be vacation or just things that we do together. And so we had to back off like Jonah one year played, I'm not 
I'm not proud of this. He played 165 baseball games in one year. And he was 10. Like that was not, that wasn't good for our family. And so the next year we said, all right, we're not ever doing that again. We, we just didn't play any sports in the fall. We shut it all down. Like there was no football, there was nothing. And we did, we just hung out as a family. Like we watched college football on Saturday. And so we had to really get in control of that schedule. And then like Jonah's a, a junior in, in high school right now. And again, he still plays every sport. And he, he, there's some sports he's not gonna be able to keep playing because we just don't let him play year round. Number one, I'm just like, you're not going, you're not going to be a pro at this sport. We're not going to waste quality time with our family. So we're going to dictate the schedule. Um, and we've had coaches get upset with us. He's missed out on things. But I think you just have to be in control of that. And your kids, here's the, the fear of missing out. Um, a younger dad was talking to me about this. His kid was six. And he just started playing soccer. And he was like, um, I had a coach come up to me and wants him to play travel soccer today. He goes, well, what do I do? I said, like, you do whatever you want. And he began to articulate to me that if his kid didn't play on the soccer team, his kid would be missing out of opportunities and these things. And even the, the, the being a part of this, the families that traveled around and played soccer and him and his wife are struggling and missing out on those things. And I think that's a big part of what goes on with kids, not just in sports, but what school they go to, what things they're involved with. There's this fear of missing out. My kid's not going to experience this and he's going to miss out on something. And I would just say, ultimately, you don't want him to miss out on mom and dad and his family and make sure you get control of that early on. Um, so I don't know if that's, does that answer the question? Yeah. I'm really on kind of a soapbox about youth sports, so I probably should tamp okay. down right now. I think a lot of parents being recorded. will be heading into that season <laughs> soon. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I will, add, I will say at one point we had six kids mm -hmm. on, was it 10 or 11 different teams yeah, it in one season? Yeah. That it was, was bad. a nightmare. Yeah. So we have we have done it really the wrong way too. So yeah, we had three that swam. Yes. Did I say that swam, swim, swim, yes. whatever? It was. They were yeah, on swimming teams, and that was madness added to the, all the other sports madness. And we wouldn't, we didn't see each other a lot, and we were finally like, all right, so we got to start cutting some things out so that we're together as a family. But I do want to say, like, you do want your like in today's culture, how are you challenging kids? Physical activity, those things are very, very important. Um, and so, but you just have to be in control of them. Yeah, finding a balance of, of doing that. So for those that, you know, maybe didn't have the best childhood, mm -hmm. um, how do you recommend that they process the ways that they were raised, especially the things that they struggle with about their childhood and not let it affect their approach to parenting their own kids? Um, and how do you, you know, kind of navigate that within the structure of parenting and, and being a husband and wife? So um, I did not have a bad childhood. Like my, my, parent, my parents did divorce when I was 12, and it was just devastating. Just like it was the hardest thing I've been through, I think, is them uh, 
being divorced. And I, but I did go through a time where I was kind of resentful for, you know, the way they parented me in some ways. And it wasn't really until I found security in the gospel. And I know that, that we keep coming back to that, that God is a good father. Like my dad didn't do everything perfect. My mom didn't do everything perfect, but they loved me. They taught me some great things. Ultimately, they're not God. God is the perfect father and coming to terms with that. Um, and, and I do think that that is what the gospel does free you from those things. I do believe that understanding that God loves you in Christ and, and he's present through the spirit in your life. And he's a good father who wants what's best for you. And you get the, the, the power and security to parent your kids from that. Um, and so I think coming to terms with those things, you, you are going to have those scars and those wounds and that background that um, is always going to be there in some ways. And you have to, to deal with that. But ultimately, you're parenting your children from the gospel. I would say, um, just to piggyback on that, honestly, there's um, it could be a struggle whether you come from a difficult mm-hmm. um, parent's circumstance or really you came from really, really great parents that did everything right and taught you the gospel and you came to Christ when you were five years old, right? In either circumstance your parents are not the standard Mm -hmm. and they never were and they never will be. And you're not the standard for your children in how they're going to parent. Mm -hmm. And you have to remind yourself of that because that does two things. It takes a lot of pressure off of you, first of all, because you're, you know, your parents weren't the standard. So you don't have to follow in their footsteps in either direction, either for right or wrong. But also, um, it's a comfort because you say, yes, I'm going to mess up. And um, instead of pointing my children to my perfection, I'm pointing them to Christ's perfection and his standard um, Mm -hmm. and the way that he is the perfect father. And so, yeah, I would just say, just constantly remind yourself um, who is the true and the best standard that's good that's good so this is the last question how do you balance the discipline and correction of your kids with grace i don't want my kids to only understand that their sin is offensive to the lord but i also want them to understand that god has provided a way for them by his grace i'm struggling to discipline and teach the whole gospel in that contest in that context yeah and i would go back to that this is a lifelong process and when, when your kids are young, I will say that's the way it feels because it's like behavior. It's like you, you're trying to get them to do like sit down, you know, be quiet, those, those, those things. Like that's what, and so there's, it, it can feel like I'm just, I'm just teaching behavior. This, this has nothing to do with the gospel. This is just right or wrong or whatever. Um, and then as they get older, it becomes more conversations about the gospel. But you have to understand that you're still your presence, your response, your tone, and even the things that you say to them are communicating the, their understanding of the gospel later on. They're still going to have those things in their mind. 
And it's when we become these patterns in your life, like I still love you. Uh, the gospel's still true. Jesus died. Those things are just, they're going to become um, liturgical in some ways in, in your family's life. And it's a pattern. It's, it's, a, it's a life. It's, it's over the long, over the long haul. Um, I think understanding that because I do think when your kids are young, it, that's just the way it feels. And, and like one one um, mom asked me, she was like, why should I read the Bible with my, I think, it, like one year old, maybe is, is what the child was like. He doesn't understand. He doesn't he can't he doesn't understand what's going on. And yet, if you're constantly doing that with them, they understand that the Word of God is important to mom and has been important to mom ever since I can remember. <laughs> and mom and dad have talked about my sin in light of the gospel ever since I could remember. Like when we had, we had, uh, when our kids are adult kids, like their sin, the consequences are way more severe than, you know, you know, quit wetting the bed. <laughs> like, they're way more severe now. But the things that we said to them when they were that age are still the things we say to them now when they go out and they, they do sinful, wicked things. It's still, mom and dad love you. We love you. We're not going anywhere. And Jesus loves you. And so it's still the same thing. So, Yeah, I think practically speaking, from a very young age, um, I implemented the putting off and putting on, um, putting off sin and putting on righteous, Christ's righteousness. And um, so we really applied that in literally every circumstance. Um, and if you're looking for a just a practical way to implement that, um, there is a little chart called, called Wise Words for Moms. And you can get it on Amazon. I think it's like $3.99. Um, and it is, it's just a simple chart that, um, is very scripturally based and it con compares and contrasts what we're, what sin we're putting off. Um, it could be the sin of lying and what are we putting on? We're putting on the righteousness of truth and, um, it, it's just a really great simple chart based on scripture. And so it's a, um, it's a not, it's not legalistic, so it's, it's helping your children see, okay, I'm obeying mommy, but I'm also obeying God. That's the biggest thing. Um, and just constantly reminding them of that, I think um, that's all I would, I would add to that. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I'll close this in prayer. Oh, you got something to say? No, I would just say, like, I know that, um, I always like to say this because, I understand what it's like to uh, pastor and say these things in, 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 a, in a group that, that could be just getting started, marriage, parenting. Um, we, don't, we don't have it all together. I said this earlier. And you're still going to have questions. And I think I said this when we began. Make sure that the questions you have, you get in those small groups. Uh, you, you deal with those questions. You think through those questions. You research. You study. Um, like, don't just write off things uh, because maybe maybe they don't set well with you. Make sure that you care about your marriage and make sure you care about your kids enough to, to work through these things. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm going to pray for us really quick, and then uh, Joe is going to close us out. Uh, God, we just thank you. We thank you so much for how uh, the scriptures that you wrote 
uh, over time, your, your inspired word, it points us to you. And we can see how in our marriage, as parents, our lives are meant to be on mission for you, uh, to bring you glory. And I pray that each of us here in this room, as we walk away, we would be inspired and motivated to, first of all, pursue our spouse in a better way. And second of all, that we would love our kids and, and bring them up in you, God. And we pray today that when we leave, that all these things would be brought up continuously throughout our small groups, uh, our equip groups, BFG, everything, God, that we would be intentional about loving each other and being accountable to one another, um, and specifically within our marriage, uh, in that we would do that well and raise our entire church up in a way that our, our marriages don't don't look perfect, but God, that we would be seeking the perfect way in which you have designed them. And God, we just love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.